Well, if you um, keep your uh, handouts open to what uh, Dave just read for us, then that would be fantastic. We're going to spend a bit of time now reflecting on that part uh, that we've just read. But will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do ask that as we look forward to celebrating Christmas tomorrow, you'll help us to think well tonight about what it is actually that we are celebrating and that as a result that will enrich our joy as we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus and living with him as Lord. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, over the next 24 hours, over a billion people will celebrate Christmas. It is such a great time for celebrating, don't you think? There's a festive mood in the air. It's a time for holidays and for parties, for giving gifts and enjoying food with family and friends. And I hope that your next 24 hours is a great time of celebrating. But tonight, I want to just take a moment to consider what it is that we're actually celebrating. Even people who want nothing to do with Jesus really like Christmas. The atheist songwriter Tim Minchin sings this really catchy song about how much he really likes Christmas. He doesn't want Christ, but he does want Christmas. For him, it's all about hanging out with family and drinking white wine in the sun, which might sound good. But if Christmas is just about celebrating for the sake of celebrating, then surely that's got to feel a bit shallow or superficial. Especially this Christmas, when there is so much going on in the world that hardly seems worth celebrating. I mean, the, the war in Gaza, that is just so horribly complex and devastating. Not to mention the war in Ukraine, which has been going on for nearly two years now and... It may not make the news much anymore, but it's still happening. Closer to home, the cyclones, the floods, the bushfires, the ever-increasing cost of living. I sincerely doubt that Christians in Gaza or Israel or Ukraine are celebrating a superficial Christmas this year. What could a Palestinian or an Israeli or a Ukrainian Christian possibly have to celebrate this Christmas. And maybe even in our own lives, there are things that hardly seem worth celebrating. And so it just kind of seems shallow to sprinkle icing sugar over everything and pretend that everything is fine just for a day. A superficial Christmas just highlights the, the disconnect with reality, like celebrating with your fingers in your ears. There's so much that is good about Christmas. But if we only see what's on the surface, then the joy lasts about as long as the laugh you get from the joke in the Christmas bonbon. That is to say, not very long. And we end up missing out on the real joy of Christmas. If we want a real reason to celebrate Christmas, sometimes you've got to dig a bit deeper. Beneath the layers of tinsel and ham and Christmas pudding and see what's really there. And so that's what we are going to do tonight as we take a look again at this tiny little bit of the Christmas story. And hopefully we will discover a Christmas that is truly worth celebrating. So we have a look at it again with me from Matthew chapter 2. On the surface, 
This small part of the Christmas story is just about a family of refugees returning to their homeland in the north of Israel. I suspect that this year we might be a bit more familiar with the geography of that part of the world because it's on the news so much. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Then he and his family fled to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill him. But now Herod is dead, so it's safe to return to Israel. But not all Israel was safe. Herod's son, Archelaus, was now on the throne ruling in the south of Israel, and history paints a pretty grim picture of him as well. He was not a good guy. And so the family moved to the north, to a district in the north of Israel called Galilee, and to the small town of Nazareth. And so Jesus grew up as the boy from Nazareth, which really is how he's known in history. Just as a bit of Christmas trivia for you, maybe a conversation starter over Christmas lunch tomorrow, did you know that ancient historical writings that talk about Jesus also talk about this, that Jesus spent time living in Egypt as a child, but he didn't grow up there. And so they consistently call him Jesus of Nazareth. On the surface, that's what this bit of the Christmas story tells us, how it was that Jesus came to be in the town of Nazareth. But this is where we need to dig a little bit deeper because even more important than the how is the why, why it matters. Have a look again with me at that last sentence there, verse 23. It says, So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he will be called a Nazarene. Now, it might not sound like there's much to find in that one little verse, but there's something worth digging into about Jesus being called a Nazarene. We're supposed to hear that and find it surprising. Because in Jesus' day, being from Nazareth meant something. And it wasn't something good. Everyone knew that nothing good comes from Nazareth. Nazareth was the middle of nowhere, the the boondocks, it was the back of Burke. Sorry if you're from the back of Burke. But no one would want to be known as being from Nazareth. It was an embarrassment. You'd be considered irrelevant. Nearly every part of the world has a place nearby that they like to look down on and make fun of. I I heard a comedian say that he changes his jokes depending on where in the world he is. So when he turns up in a new city or country, he likes to find out which people nearby these guys like to make fun of. And then he can just tell his same old jokes and just insert the right city or country into the joke. So when he's in America, it's Canada. When he's in England, it's Ireland. When he's in Australia, it's... Yeah, New Zealand. When he's in Sydney, it's Melbourne. You get, I don't know what he'd say if he was in Richmond. Maybe we shouldn't go there. Maybe we're above that kind of pettiness. But you get the idea. And in Israel, it was Nazareth. But not even as a joke. Have a listen to what happened when someone first heard about Jesus and where he was from. It's in John chapter 1. It's about two guys, Philip and Nathaniel. Philip met Jesus and he was impressed and excited and he went to his friend Nathaniel and he said, Nathaniel, I've just 
found this guy that we're waiting for, the guy that Moses and the prophets talked about. Come and see. His name is Jesus from Nazareth. And listen to what Nathaniel said. He said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And he wasn't joking. Everyone knew that nothing good came from that place. It's not something you'd put on your resume. Jesus of Nazareth is not a label that would impress people. People were expecting someone important to come, someone who Moses and the prophets predicted, promised by God, but no one expected that he would come from that town. Even though it says right here, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he will be called a Nazarene. The prophets said he would be called a Nazarene, but no one thought that meant he would come from the town of Nazareth. It couldn't possibly mean that. They thought it meant something else. They thought Nazarene was a title. They didn't think it was Nazareth the place. It's like the difference between saying you're going to visit the king and you're going to visit Kingswood. Again, no offence if you're from Kingswood, but if I go to Kingswood, I don't particularly expect that I'll find His Majesty King Charles III wandering around the streets of Kingswood. The king doesn't come from Kingswood, and nothing good comes from Nazareth. They thought Nazarene was a title, but actually it was just a guy from Nazareth. And so when Matthew says here in this little bit of the Christmas story that he will be called a Nazarene, it's meant to sound unimpressive. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the insignificant guy from some insignificant place. Jesus, the guy that people will despise. And of course, that is what the prophets predicted about Jesus, that he would be despised and rejected. And we just read it a moment ago in Isaiah 53, which is also printed there for you. Have a look at verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That's the Jesus that we don't really think that much about at Christmas, but that's the Jesus of history. It's what his life was like, despised and rejected. So this bit of the Christmas story is really giving us a a preview. It's not just telling us where he grew up. It's giving us a preview of what people will think of him. Jesus of Nazareth, despised and rejected. I'd be surprised if you find that written in any of your Christmas cards this year doesn't really fit our warm, fuzzy picture of Jesus at Christmas. But that's the Jesus we celebrate at Christmas. The Jesus we meet in the Christmas story and right through his life. Jesus the Nazarene, despised and rejected. And it wasn't just Jesus who had this negative label either. His followers wore that label too. In the early years, when Christians were persecuted, they were persecuted as the sect of the Nazarene. That's what they were called. And it, wasn't meant, and it was meant to be an insult. And even today, there are Christians who don't need any reminder that Nazarene is not meant to be a compliment. 
A couple of years ago, you might remember when the Islamic terrorist group ISIS were attacking Mosul in northern Iraq, you might have noticed this symbol appear around the place. A lot of people had it as their profile pictures on Facebook and Instagram. It's the letter N, Nun, in Arabic, and it's the first letter of the word Nazrani, which is Arabic for Nazarene. It's what they call Christians, followers of the Nazarene. And it's not meant to be a compliment. And ISIS was spray painting that letter, that symbol, on the houses of Christians so they could identify who they were and target them for persecution. For many Christians, this picture of Jesus, the Nazarene, despised and rejected, is one they can identify with all too well, even at Christmas. So I wonder, is there any place for this kind of Jesus in your Christmas? Is this a Jesus who you are celebrating? There are plenty of grand titles for Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus fits all those titles. But even from the beginning, in the Christmas story, Matthew gives us another title to know him by, Nazarene, because he wants to make sure that we know where Jesus is heading, to be someone who is despised and rejected. Now, you might think that's not a particularly festive way to celebrate Christmas this evening, but actually it is. This is exactly what makes Jesus worth celebrating. This is exactly what makes Christmas worth celebrating. As Jesus hung dying on the cross, a sign above his head read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And they thought they were being ironic because those two things could never go together. Nazareth and King could never go together, especially while he's dying. But the real irony is that this was Jesus becoming the king that we celebrate. Have a look again at those words from Isaiah 53, this time in verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus didn't become the king we celebrate because he was popular. He didn't take his throne to the cheers of adoring fans. He became king by being despised, rejected, and executed, and then raised to life again. We celebrate Jesus because his rejection and death give us life. We celebrate Jesus because we know that the peace that we could never achieve, he has achieved for us peace with God. We celebrate Jesus because we know that he will put our broken world to right one day. That's the king whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. And that's why we rejoice. And that's why we sing joy to the world. That's why we sing peace on earth, God and sinners reconciled. This is why we celebrate so let me ask you, is that what you are celebrating this Christmas? The joy of forgiveness, of peace with God? 
This is the real reason to celebrate at Christmas. It doesn't have to be instead of good food and good times with family, but it's what makes Christmas worth celebrating. Whether we have good food and family and presents to celebrate with or not. And that's why it's even the Christians in Israel and Gaza and Ukraine can celebrate too. I guarantee you they're not celebrating a a superficial Christmas. I think that's safe to say. But I dare say they have something even better to celebrate than someone who sits down to a table covered in bonbons and pork crackling and, and gold tinsel and drinking white wine in the sun, but who do not know this Jesus. Because they know the real reason that Christmas is worth celebrating. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do ask that you'll help us to recognise the real Jesus this Christmas, even if it is uh, less of a festive picture of Jesus than we are used to. Help us to realise that Jesus even rejected and despised, that that was him becoming the king that is worth celebrating. And so help us to rejoice that he was the king that we needed. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.